Fit Nation. It's Fit Nation. Awesome. Where it began I can't begin to know it But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you Misfit Nation. We thank you 
for getting us to our 150th episode. Without you, we would not be here. Let's keep up this fire and keep veterans' voices alive. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. If you have not had the chance to check out our first book, 13-Step Guide to Success, it is available on Amazon and Kindle and paperback varieties. If you're going through some hard times, you don't have to go alone. Please phone a friend and chat it out. If you don't want to talk to a friend because you're embarrassed or don't want to be a bird, feel a burden to them, call the crisis hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you're a veteran, press option one. Do not make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. An exciting news coming this fall, the Misfit Nation will be going on a ruck. We'll start in St. Louis at the Arch and walk to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. It's about 242 miles. It'll be uh, used to raise awareness for veteran issues. And we'll start the day after Thanksgiving and finish sometime the next week, hopefully. We'll be putting up a fundraiser sponsor site to try and drum up support for this walkabout. All excess donations will be given to veteran organizations actively helping our brothers and sisters. If you're a new listener, we appreciate you joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps. Also download the Military Broadcast Radio app to follow our family of shows there. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date with the latest episodes of the Misfit Nation and also allow you to hear the amazing stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest writes women's fiction and psychological suspense novels and is the co-host of Wild Women Who Write Take Flight podcast, a celebration of women authors supporting each other. She serves on the board of the Atlanta Writers Club and Sisters in Crime Atlanta. When not spending time with her children and grandchildren, she loves to read, walk, and travel. She lives in Georgia with her husband, two rescue dogs, and two rescue cats. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show, author Catherine Nichols. How are you, Catherine? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad that we're able to connect and uh, you reached out to us and we were able to get you on the show and just get to chatting about uh, how you got into writing and you have two books in front of me, The Unreliables, The Sometimes Sister. I'm sure they were fun to write and uh, you like to write a strong uh, female leads. If you want to give us a little background of how you got into writing or when did when did you get the bug and and how you started all this out? I definitely want to do that. But first, I want to say how impressed I am with all you're doing for the veteran. But as um, I say, a former Marine, I know Marines say, once you're in, you're in. <laughs> but um, so he was Marine in Vietnam. And I think it's very important that we not forget the difficulties that so many people coming back have had and celebrate the successes of those who were able to pick up and help each other. So and, and helping each other's always been uh, an important thing for me, particularly even as a kid, I was a big advocate of girls standing up for one another. I occasionally had a little fight on the playground and because somebody called one of my friends fat and the, um, the teacher pulled me off and said, ladies don't act like that. And I said, I don't wanna be a lady because it, it's, I could tell right then it was restrictive. So I, I fell into writing kind of the same way it was just a a part of me I'd been a storyteller before I could actually write and then when I started reading it was like the power of books which just was just overwhelming and I thought I really want to write one of those and I want people to read it I didn't think about wow I'd like to be a super successful author because 
in all honesty, that's pretty hard. And there aren't that many James Patterson's and Stephen King's around. And I'm totally aware of that. But just the idea that someone might read something I had written and take something with them was very exciting to me. And I became, I taught, I taught high school for many years. I really loved working with young people and I did a lot of teaching writing there. Some of it was the more restrictive writing that I felt like, oh my gosh, we're beating the love of writing out of these kids. But I also got to teach them creative writing and I got to teach them how to slip in some creativity and personalization and um, things that you normally wouldn't have thought about, like a five paragraph essay. You know, you could even make it your own if you have a little bit of creativity going there. So I really loved that part. And I, I kept writing, but I had a family, I had a job. It was difficult to really devote time to it. So I call this my third act. I started out writing commercials and public service announcements in TV and radio. Realized that was not working out well for money or a family. That's when I went into teaching, loved that. Got out of teaching, hopefully before the kids were saying, is she ever going to retire? And um, that was kind of my goal, get out before they pushed me up. And then I really got serious about writing and written quite a few books. The first one to get published was The Sometimes Sister. And it's interesting because I don't have a sister. I always, well, I have a wonderful brother, but I always thought I'd like to have a sister. Well, when I've been doing some book talks with this, some of the ladies say, you know, it's okay that you don't have a sister it's fine <laughs> so it's very interesting that some all sisters not all sisters are just wrapped up in how much they love being sisters but I think all sisters do have an important bond and that was the bond I explored in the sometimes sister which was about two sisters one adores her younger sister the younger sister steals the older sister's uh, fiance marries him goes to Ecuador and the tragedy and suspense ensues from there. But it was also a book about grief, as, well, as is The Unreliables, because people grieve in many different ways. And the way you leave a relationship with the person you lost really defines how you grieve, I think. And in The Sometimes Sister, there were unresolved issues and a death. And as well in The Unreliables, which is about an author whose husband is killed. And she feels a great deal of guilt for reasons how my daughter always says, don't tell so much about the book, mom. So not gonna tell you, but she feels a lot of guilt and she has to come to terms with that. There's actually a veteran in The Unreliables as well. He is uh, down on his luck. The two of them connect, and he's older, It's not a, that's not a romance, but um, they connect and end up having a really cool and mutually beneficial relationship. So I, 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 as I was writing that book, I did research some of the veterans issues in Atlanta and was kind of appalled by the amount of homelessness and, and suicides and just you know, and it's, it's, it's a shameful part of our history, I think, and our ongoing culture that we don't put, bring that to light more. We don't, we make a big deal of how patriotic we are, but the truly patriotic people don't get as much attention as they deserve. 
So that is woven into the book. It's, they're both, they could both be beach reads, but they've got some substance as well. And the process and getting to writing about women like that was my passion for being supportive of other women, regardless of the profession. But in writing, it's much more important than I thought it would be. I was in a critique group that was a mixed group, loved having the male point of view. Truth of the matter is, even though my books, men read them and like them, they're probably not the main ones who are going to buy them. So I realized that the women in the group, that we had a, a commonality. And so we branched off. We still connected with the, the bigger group, but we branched off and we found that by having just the woman's point of view and, and saying my audience is going to be women who like science fiction, but also romance. We have a writer in there who got published with that. And since we branched off, there were five of us and four of us are either about to be published or published. And the fifth one, we just have to prod her to finish because her work is excellent too. And I feel like our support of each other um, is part of that guiding force. We are very honest, but we're kind. And we, our suggestions help move the writing forward. So I'll give you a chance to say something. <laughs> <laughs> it's outstanding. You have a lot of stuff that you've done and are doing. And it seems like mentoring and helping others is really big, very big on your on your totem pole there uh, from when you were a school teacher because you wanted to mold those minds as much as possible at least reach one teach one teach one reach one you know and the same thing you have the same uh, modus when you have your books out you, if you can touch one person with your stories and the books that's something we say on here a lot is if I have a guest on here and it reaches one person and changes their life it's a success I don't need like you said Tom uh, the Pattersons or uh, Stephen King's I'm not going to have numbers like Joe Rogan on my podcast it's just not going to happen because I didn't have a billion followers before I started. And uh, if I can have one person's day changed, that's a success for me. And uh, we don't do this to become the, the Golden Glover or the, the award winners. We do it to help others and, and share stories. And I think you're doing a great thing. Well, our the podcast that came from the critique group was very exciting because we spread that word of women supporting each other and it's been really fun none of us had extensive technological experience oddly I was probably the one who had the most wow. because uh because one day in high school they were saying we need somebody to man the gifted computer lab and I said well I'll do that but I had no idea how to do it luckily the kids in there knew enough they taught me and I taught them so that was fun but with with the wild women who write take flight, we've been able to have lots of local authors. We started out with local authors, which was so much fun because they would come to the house and we would have a little wine and a little cheese and have a nice little um, out, you know, social gathering. And then we'd interview them. We had uh, Emily Carpenter writes Southern Gothic and we had a wonderful memoir from um, one of our writers and just all these local people that were great. Then we actually got connected to some authors that were in California and Ohio and New York City and Kentucky. We had a fun one about, uh, it was called, oh shoot, 
it's called bourbon is in the name of it. And it was just one of those gritty mountain suspense things that you would have never thought a woman had written this. And, and she's, she's just a very lovely person, but boy, she got gritty with her, her characters. And so we've been able to promote helping each other while having some really great discussions about writing and other things. It's always great to have a, a group that supports each other. You know, years ago, if you'd have a group of uh, young ladies in a the room, they'd always try to knock each other down instead of lift each other up. And I think re more recently, we're seeing a lot more of the women groups or even men groups it's the same way, uh, lifting each other up and not always saying, oh, you, that's dumb. You shouldn't do that. Uh, or you're a horrible writer. Instead, they're saying, maybe you should try this and you'll be a better writer and do things a lot better. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of my things in high school. Um, I started out, we had a gifted program and one of my projects was to see how gifted girls were different in interactions and classrooms and whatever than gifted boys. Well, I started a group, we were called, it was called WISE, Women in Search of Excellence. And it was young girls who at first who were in the gifted program just because that's what my project had to be. And we just got together and they talked about the pressures and how having a group like we were starting just so they could share their pressures and anxieties, that they were very excited about that. Well, the really exciting part for me was the group kind of took off down a different road or the same road, but with more paths leading off of it. And one of them was they wanted to encourage uh, other girls who were not necessarily taking higher level classes. They wanted to encourage and support them to do that. And they invited those girls to come and then pretty much it was any girl who was interested in the mission, which was to, to promote each other, to have a safe place to talk and have a safe place to plan how you were going to approach difficult situations, which was just great. And we ended up mentoring some fifth grade girls at a, a close by elementary school. And that was so cool because the best thing I think you can do for teenagers is to build them up to the point where they feel comfortable mentoring and then they are on their best behavior and only the kindest and most supportive things go out to those younger students and years after our first program with them one of the girls from the fifth grade was now in the ninth grade and she came and told me she said after your girls you and your girls came she said I decided that day I was going to take advanced placement biology and she was in all these advanced placement classes that I don't think she would have had the confidence to try. She had brains, but she was not sure about it. So that was like sowing seeds. You often don't get to see them bloom when you teach or in your, in your work in a, as a podcaster, but I got to see a bloom and it was so exciting. <laughs> you get to see the flourishing end, ending of it and I'm sure of all the students that you had in high school and after you watched them go across the stage that final time, a lot of them probably reached back to you after a while and said, thank you for everything you did, or this is where I'm at now. And I, I really owe this to what you did in class. Well, that's one good thing about Facebook. We connected on Facebook <laughs> and I see their children and one of them is, has her doctorate and she's getting ready to run for the school board. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's very exciting. It's definitely that's definitely a great plus for you and in, in the on my in our world in the military seeing your soldier grow to be better than you were 
based on what you taught them or we're just seeing them push themselves to become greater. And that's basically our goal as a leader in the military is to make the next version of you or the next version of the person above you. And, and that's nothing but success for us as we see them grow. And like you said, social media has really kept us all connected now. Early in the career, in my career, that wouldn't have happened now. I can see everyone's lives from everything they put on there. No one hides anything. And they're very proud of everything they're doing. It's an amazing thing. And yeah, when you hear you hear a lot of negatives about social media and, and they're true, but there are some really good things that have come out from it too. And and you can you can even tell that when someone's discouraged, a friend or a former student or somebody you barely know, and you can offer encouragement that way. So that plus is I think makes it worthwhile. Definitely. Now, on our show here, we've had a lot of uh lot of authors my first author my first two authors on here were from New Zealand and both of them were amazing and uh, so I had to I stayed up pretty late to do those uh those interviews to so that you know they would be on their daytime and uh, I learned so much just listening to them to the the two ladies talk about their writing styles and stuff and those two are actually friends in New Zealand and they push each other to better things writing and I'll send you their names after this to have them on your show they'd be great for your show as great well. I'd love that yes thank you and uh, that would be exciting so I'd like to bring people like women authors for our female veterans to show that they can also write and have that that uh, edge on them because they have everyone has a story they can write. It could be a true story, it could be, be a fictional story based on a true life or or just a nonfiction story about their actual journey through the military or through their actual life. And maybe just seeing someone else that has done it will push them to greatness and make them do it as well. And and if you have any of the the, the I'm female veterans, you have any of them that are starting to write or would like some writing tips, feel free to give them my information because we might even form an online um, critique group to help them and awesome. or help them get ones of their own started. Right. And that every piece, everyone needs a village. It's, you can't do things on your own. Uh, for my book, uh, we I had my daughter. She was published way before me. She got published out of high school and she was my editor for this book. So. Exciting. Yeah. It was probably nitpicking. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. She probably enjoyed correcting you too. But it's that's a lovely um, bonding experience too to have a have work together on something like that and then have it out there. When she published that, that was our time to actually get back together again after I got out of the military. So I was, you know, I was gone all the time. So I missed a lot of her life growing up. But when she got published, me and her did most of the book signings together. So we'd go all around the southeast and up to the northeast where my parents were and see everything and, and watch her flourish. It was great. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. And you should write about that experience now. <laughs> we can write about our <laughs> travels. It'd be great. Yeah, I'm always saying, what are you working on now? What are you working on now? <laughs> What's the next step? What's the next step? Right. So what do you see as the biggest challenges for a younger author coming up uh, to get into the pool of authors now? Well, the problem, of course, is how you're going to make a living while you're trying to, right. to write. My, my advice is carve a little piece of time to try to write something, not necessarily every day, but don't go a certain amount. Set yourself a goal. I'm not going to go more than three days without writing something. And it might not be a book. It might not be even a short story or a poem or anything it might just be reflections but if you have those when you really have the time to fall back on it you may have 
found that you have ideas. You may have found that you've almost written a short story. Just write, because that was the hardest thing for me. I, I really did not have the time to write on my own that often. I did uh, sponsor a creative writing well, I had a creative writing class and we did a magazine and they liked every now and then they wanted teachers to write something. And that really sparked me. I thought, yeah, I want to show them that I'm doing this. It's a hard process that we're kind of in it together. But keep writing and if possible, have a writing partner where you, you have a little, little bit of accountability, not pressure, because you probably already, if you're, if you're trying to hold down a job or if you're in the military, uh, a lot of people like to journal. I was never a big journaler, uh, but as far as for me, journaling was like, oh, here's another idea for something, but really journal and, and get your feelings out there it really helps a lot of people. And I would imagine if you are in the service and you're far away from family or whatever, you you don't have to think that you have to sit down and page after page of beautiful prose. Just write down some feelings or write down a snapshot, a descriptive snapshot of something you saw that day. And if it's a bright moment, highlight it. And, you know, just make writing a part of your life. And then at some point, you'll have more time to give to it. Definitely. And uh, that's, a, that's great advice for the young writers. And I think a lot of them also, they don't even realize that they're writing now because most of them are on social media every day writing something. They write something every day on social media or they do a, a pictography, a pictograph of something that they've done that day. So they already have the creativity. You just have to expand upon it, I think. And so many ideas for stories from those posts. You know, I, I used to do listen to the hallway and one of the assignments I gave my creative writing kids when we were talking, talking about dialogue, I said, eavesdrop on your, on your people and then write down exactly what they said because it doesn't you can't really write dialogue exactly the way it comes out and what I got one time was it cracked me up so so much I was walking down the hall and this boy and girl were having a fight and she turned to him and she said I bet you don't even own a Porsche <laughs> <laughs> I thought oh honey <laughs> there's so much you don't know <laughs> wow <laughs> definitely doesn't <laughs> I mean, we were kind of in the, not the sticks, but in uh, almost rural East Cobb County at the time. It's not rural anymore, but I thought, no, he doesn't have a Porsche. Just look at him. <laughs> He's got an old pickup truck. <laughs> right, is that. But yeah, it was, it's fun. And I loved working with kids. And I, like I said, I think that a lot of people think they can't write and not everybody's going to write for trying to get published, but everybody can write if that's what they want to do. It might not be the way you express yourself. We have some beautiful artists, musicians, or just people who go out and interact with each other. That could be your talent, but don't think you can't do it. Definitely. You got to get the no out of your head and just keep uh, pushing on the, I can, I can, I can, and have that purpose to push forward and be persistent within yourself and get out of your own way. I think a lot of people stay in their own way too long and don't have the other person, the other voice back here telling them, do it, do it, do it. And they have to get that done. And I think sometimes people are so busy, they don't stop to feel the joy that thing brings them. Because if you do that, you're going to, it's going to wake something up in you. And that's the, the beautiful 
part of whether you're writing for other people, whether you're writing for yourself, it'll touch, you can touch yourself in a way that'll wake you up. Definitely. <laughs> I remember we were talking about an assignment earlier. My first assignment, my first year of college, I went to school in New York City and our, of our instructor, our professors had to sit on the steps of the New York City Library and people watch and, and write a story based on what we've seen in New York City. And some of those stories are pretty amazing uh, after at the end of that day or the next day when we read them aloud to the rest of the class because everyone's seen the same things, but a different point of view, a different perspective of what you're seeing comes out a lot better. And it's, it's pretty funny listening to different perspectives of what people were seeing. That's a great assignment. And I bet that was a real interesting change for you being in New York City. I grew up up there. So it, oh, so I, did my husband. Yeah. I grew up in New Jersey. So it was right, right across the river from me. And I didn't move to the South till I came in the army. So I've been here since basically 93. So the South was the shocker for you. Oh, but. yeah. Yes, <laughs> definitely. When people said hello and stuff, and didn't yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very shocking. And thank you, sir. And <laughs> oh, very <yeah>. weird. <laughs> yes. Those, those weird manners and things that you learn down here. But that was an eye opener for me. And, uh, I've stayed down here, so that, that shows you something. <laughs> well, my my husband too. He likes it. Plus, he said he couldn't go back to the weather. You know. Yeah, that too. <laughs> your blood your blood thins out down here. <laughs> so. Pretty quickly, and even though this winter has been kind of crazy, we've actually had a lot of snow here for some reason. I don't know why. Actually, had snow last Friday. Not sure how that happened. There were snowflakes in Atlanta last yeah. uh, Saturday. They didn't last long, but. They're not supposed to be here at all in April. So. Yeah. <laughs> showers, not snow showers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you have the groups there. You're in, you're on the board of the Atlanta we're a writers group. And of course, writers on the club. side, writers club. How, uh, how would you start one in another city? How would, what advice would you give to someone to start like a, a writers club somewhere else, like say Nashville or Chicago or something like that? Well, that's interesting because the Sisters in Crime is a national organization and you can contact Sisters in Crime and they're not just women. They, they, they'll say sisters and misters. They whisper <laughs> that one, but women, men are welcome in the group, but it tends to be, there's a difference between, between the way women write crime and the way men write crime. And there's a recognition of that in the group. So if you were interested in something like that, there are national organizations that would help you. And you don't have to be published authors to be in that group or to be in the Atlanta Writers Club. The Atlanta Writers Club is local and it's very, very well known. They, we do two conferences a year to help writers and people come in from everywhere. And now with the Zoom factor, if you can't get to Atlanta, we we for a while, we were Zoom only, and now we've kept a Zoom component for people who want to participate. And our next conference is May 6th. Uh, a lot of the features might be closed out, but we do one in May and one in the first weekend of November. And I highly recommend attending. You would get lots of ideas of how to start a, a not a chapter because it's, like I said, it's not national, but start your own. They... You can also be a member, a long distance member of the Atlanta Writers Club. And it's a bargain. It's the dues are so low. And for the conference, you pay um, cafeteria style. You know, some conferences you only have to pay this big fee. This one, no, you can do different things like get your query letter in front of an editor or agent 
or get 20 pages of your manuscript read and there's workshops. So that would be my recommendation to check something like that out. And then there, I, I know there are people in that organization, if there was someone who wanted a one-on-one -on -one conversation to brainstorm ideas, I'm sure. And oftentimes your local libraries might be very helpful in helping you start a small group. And then from that, you could build on, or you could all go to a conference. Nashville has a fun one called Killer Nashville, and it's Scissors and Crime, basically. But it's it's a really good conference, and there'd be all sorts of workshops there that might help you. So I would say if anybody's interested, they can con Like I said, I don't mind talking or help helping them connect with somebody or try some conferences. Awesome. And how does someone get in contact with you? To either find your book or have you come on their show? Well, uh, my I don't have a problem with people having my email. It's knichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S, 75 at gmail.com. I think you've got my website and, and my Facebook, so I, I'm available for that. My books are on Amazon, The Unreliables and The Sometimes Sister. And I have a third book coming out in December I'm really excited about. And I'm also working on a sequel to The Sometimes Sister. So uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I say I've bitten off more than I can chew and I'm going to have my fifth grandchild in June. Oh, it's wow. my baby baby, her first baby. So I'll probably be a little caught up there, but um, it's, it's all, almost all of it is energizing. I think that's the secret. Don't do something that drags you down and I should learn to say no, but <laughs> now, now it's all about yes. Yes, yes, so, yes, no. I got it. <laughs> but I'd be more than happy to uh, help point people in a direction to start their own, to be their own advocates and to start us their own women's support groups or men and women. Awesome. Uh, thanks again for agreeing to come on or reaching out to me and uh, getting us connected and coming on here and sharing your story with the Misfit Nation. And uh, we... We enjoy creativity, and of course, we're we're uh, closet writers, I guess, too, since we have one book ready and another one in the in the shoot. Uh, Very good luck, exciting. Good luck on your third book coming out, and of course, the sequel, and of course, your your youngest your youngest having your your next your fifth grandchild. That's a very exciting time for you. It is exciting. Uh, good luck to you and your family on that. And again, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. Turn that. Crank that jukebox up and hack it. Bartender, pull another round. Here's to our best bad decisions, situational conditions, old memories we all need to drown. So fill your cup, raise it up, jump in and join the club and float this whiskey river reservoir. We're gonna spend the weekend in the deep end of the dive bar. After lost and lonely one who's ever swam against the tide. Thank you, this is oasis. It's the safest of places that a broken heart can find a high. So here's a toast, coast to coast, with a big old adios to wishes wasted on them falling stars. We're gonna spend the weekend in the deep end of a dive bar. It's just chapter after chapter, half 
happy never after, but that's just the way the story goes. For some bar still believers, wear our heart out on our sleeves. Just go and wear the neon glows. Yeah, it's just chapter after chapter. Happy never after, but that's just the way the story goes. Yeah, we're just never quite belongers, hanger oners, way too longers. Just buzzing where the neon glows. We've all got them, let them sink down to the bottom. Doesn't matter who or where you are. We're gonna spend the weekend in the deep end. The water's fine, y'all, so just come on in. Oh, 
special bond together. We go back like mama's boat when it's coldest weather. And when I play, you play the same way. You freak me, baby. I'm you crazy, and I'm gone. Baby, don't really want me to get up and leave. Up that easy. Should be waking up wet for she's a. Remind these women to mind the business. Believe me, this game is very religious. And I'm built like the John Bishop. Gold deep dish, money green beds. And my world is my witness. The life we share is a tug of bear. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on this Fit Nation. Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts... Have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Fit Nation. Was the killing guy